Hello and welcome to Portroid Cast Episode 5. As always, I'm Rick. Last night I attended a show by comedian Natasha Legero at Comedy Works in downtown Denver. Uh, it, as you would expect if you've ever seen her work, was hilarious. Natasha will be performing again tonight, Thursday, December 10th, 2009, through Sunday, December 13th. Uh, if you're in or near Denver, I highly re- recommend you get tickets. Go to ComedyWorks.com or stop by the box office on 15th, just off Larimer, and buy them now. I'm pretty sure you'll love it. Uh, today I spent about an hour with Natasha. We went to Starbucks in downtown Denver and recorded this interview. I hope you enjoy it. And I'm here with Natasha Legero. She's here in Denver. Uh, performing at the Comedy Works. She's got uh, shows from December 9th through the 12th, I believe, which is Sunday? 13th. 13th. Excellent. Um, so, welcome. It's great to be here at the <laughs> Lar- Laramie Square Starbucks. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, what was your path to comedy? You grew up in Rockford, Illinois, went to Hunter College in New York City. Correct. And later moved to Los Angeles. And at what stage did you decide to become a comedian and how did that transpire? Um, well, I was at Hunter College, and, um, can you hear the Christmas carols in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's very seasonal. Um, I was, I was at Hunter, and I actually had a degree in theater criticism, and we would go to the plays, and I would do critiques, and I actually won an award for one of my critiques, and from the college, of course, yeah. not from New York City. Right. And, uh, so I was doing that, and then I moved to L.A., and I didn't know you could just, like, get on stage and critique the world, I suppose. So I just started making fun of things and, and kind of, in, in a similar way to the, not to be too highbrow, but that's how my mind was working. And so I just started making fun of L.A. because it was such a culture shock from New York. People didn't know things. Like I remember I was talking to some girl and I mentioned vaudeville. She's like, what's vaudeville? Like nobody has a reference. Like they're all people who moved, a lot of people in L.A. moved to L.A., they didn't go to New York first. They kind of moved from Michigan or Wyoming yeah, or Oklahoma right or Nebraska. So you kind of have a lot of, like, this hick factor <laughs> that I wasn't really... I thought people would be very sophisticated, and they weren't. And so I just started making fun of them on a stage. Excellent. And, and I, the first time I went up, it, it went really well. So I just kind of got addicted to... I mean, it, actually, I don't think it ever went that well again. <laughs> and that was six years ago or so? Yeah, seven maybe seven. I was just so shocked that people were laughing. Yeah. I had no... I was not expecting it. And so I think I've been trying to get back to that moment for about almost eight years. Right. But then I realized the other day, someone had given... I'm like, why doesn't it ever feel as great as it did the first time? And then I remembered someone gave me a quaalude. <laughs> <laughs> the first time? Yeah, like, or like maybe it was just like a Xanax, or it was, it was a very small amount. Because like, I was describing someone, I was like, the laughter was like waves. And um, and then I remembered I took a glass, I had a glass of wine and the, and the, the uh, depressant, or whatever that is, a downer. I don't know, it felt good though. Yeah. Maybe I should just get, get on Quaaludes. Yeah, loose. sounds like that's... <laughs> I just need a that. prescription for Xanax. Uh, you're an actor as well as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a comedian, you write, direct, and act out your own character uh, that you're presenting on the stage, uh, whether 
essentially, right? Whether it's an exaggerated representation of yourself or some uh, common persona. Well, it's usually someone you've you've seen or encountered, and you're trying yeah. to recreate that. Yeah. Usually, exa- in an exaggerated way. Yeah, but as an actor, uh, you're taking someone else's construct and bringing life to that. But so I think you may have already an- answered this question about how your uh, stage sensibility evolved, because you definitely have a. Uh, I'm not going to say a character, but like you're saying, you are playing a role on stage. You're the entertainer, and you've got... It's definitely an exaggerated version of me. Yes, okay. So that is one thing. Yes, definitely. Because you can kind of get away more with more if you're... You know, a little more extreme. Did you start out that way when you went on stage, or is that something that you've built up over time just from... Definitely you build it up, and you kind of, like, see... You know, I, I, I didn't talk about this last night, but sometimes I talk about on stage. I went to acting conservatory in New York, uh, which taught me how to be a working actor in the 1700s. And so it, like, got this very exaggerated, like, to the back of the auditorium, Natasha, to the... So then when I moved to L.A., I would... You know, go to these auditions, and I'd be like, "Bud Light, it has drinkability." And then, uh, you know, people were like, "Next." So, I started just—that's kind of who I was. I was this exaggerated persona that kind of learned the wrong things <laughs> in New York, and so I kind of morphed that into, uh, you know, just who who I, you know, because I felt like I had to get rid of it to audition for things, and it just felt like wrong because I liked this theatricality so theatricality theatricality and that that kind of leads into what I was going to ask here Uh, you always dress very elegantly you got opera you have opera gloves not Uh, not this morning not this morning but on stage stage you do Uh, and you've always got great style it's almost the uh, antithesis of blue collar comedy uh, yes, yeah, so we're, we're, it's a white-collar comedy white tour collar, I'm starting. Yes. We're going to tour vineyards across the country. Do you think that has any impact on your audience? When you come out, you're dre- literally dressed like you're going to a, a ball. Well, I guess that's sort of <laughs> a, a reaction. society event. Yeah. Uh, the way I'm dressing, and I've kind of always dressed a little different, um, I, it's kind of a reaction to the casual nature that is sort of... Uh, taken over the society and, and everyone kind of is running their errands in their pajamas and no one steps it up a little bit uh, so you know that's kind of my effort for that and then I, I remember reading a long time ago like I think it was a I don't know I remember who said it but someone said you know if you dress like the audience you become one of them so I, I think it's nice to like really make a delineation that uh, it's just a way of um, dominating the crowd yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. I like that. Uh, how do you approach stand-up versus, say, an acting job? A lot of times I've seen uh, some of the things you've done for acting, and it seems like they've hired you because they like what they've seen in terms of what you're doing maybe on stage or what you brought to the audition, and you seem to steal the scene a lot in the shows you appear in. Um, but well, Thank you. Oh, certainly. Uh, but in stand-up, um, I guess, yeah, how do you approach that versus going into... A television show, or, or even Chelsea Lately, something like that. Um, the thing about stand-up is, it's it's so like you can really do whatever you want, and you know you don't have to worry about how you're being perceived. Usually, you can just kind of talk and 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 lose yourself on a topic, and go to the audience, and then come back, and you know it's it's very free form for me, um, as opposed to like 
playing a part and really I, I think the biggest challenge in television not to be too rude is but to try to make it funny because a lot of it feels corporate and you know you, you get lines where you have to say frick and it's like no one talks like that it's not real but someone's making someone's making an, an espresso drink um, right in the middle of my important thought uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you get a lot, especially with sitcoms, you get a lot of stuff and it's not really funny. I mean, the stuff where they let you improvise, obviously, that's up to you. You can make it funny. And, and I think a lot of TV is like that. But when you get something that's just not that funny, the goal is to try to bring this character to it that it feels real but is also funny. It's, it's hard. As opposed to just being able to say whatever you want. Right. You know, and sometimes they do let you rewrite things, but there is this trend, especially in like corporate sitcom, network sitcom, where they get really pissed off if you try to change their lines. They're not funny lines because, you know, then someone looks like, looks bad and the writer loses their job and they just bought a new house and they're, you know, they've got to wax their boat on the weekend and they don't want to, you know, it's, it's very corporate. Yeah. That's what I love about stand-up. It's, it's just, there's a element to it that is very, you know, it's just not corporate at all. What's the opposite of corporate? Independent? Independent. I know it's so overused, <laughs> but yes. The Real, I don't know. It's and Chelsea is like, Chelsea feels more like stand-up, because you really like, they don't, they let you say whatever you want. I mean, if, if you say something that was too dark or whatever, like, they'll maybe beep it, or if you say a swear word... But generally speaking, you can kind of get away with whatever you want, and I think that's why people love the show. Yeah, and you are a regular on Chelsea lately, or you show up a lot on. Uh, yeah, I do it like every every other week. And you've done uh, multiple appearances on Reno 911, which is somewhere where they let you improvise. That is that is an exception because yeah. you know you're working with the best improvisers you know that that you've ever worked with. Those guys are like at the top of their game, and yeah. they make you hilarious. Like I'm not even like I don't even improvise that much, but the times I've improvised with like Tom Lennon, all of a sudden you're like ten times funnier than you are without being around these funny people. Like because they will set you up, yeah, you know, for hilarious jokes. I remember I was improvising with Tom Lennon once, and I was just playing this, like, loser who can't find her pants, and he was arresting me, and then I just said, you know, can I have a cigarette? And he was like, oh, yeah, of course. And then he's looking for a cigarette, and then that creates this hilarious moment where it's like, my instincts as a comedian would just be like, no, you can't have a cigarette, you're arrested. Get back here. But he just kind of opens it up for comedy, which it's so cool to be able to experience working with someone like that. Is that too serious? No, it's great. <laughs> and um, you've, you've been on late night, a lot of late night talk shows. You, you do your act on there, or they give you your five minutes or whatever the right. segment is. And Try to do different acts. Different acts, of course. Yeah, <laughs> different TV-friendly acts. You want to keep repeating the same. Oh, we've seen that before. Um, and six months ago, you were here with Nick Thune, which we uh-huh. talked about before the interview started. And now you're headlining um, at Comedy Works. So it seems that more and more you're getting out there and the awareness of the public... But uh, I guess, uh, what is your end game? Where do you want to see your career progress? Um, I'd like to just, you know, be working Vegas. Oh. <laughs> Not at all. That would be the worst. Um, I think that it's... I don't know. That's such a hard question. I know. I think you just want to always be, like, challenging yourself and um, not to be too self-help, but... Um, you know, you just want to... Well, I guess here, here it is. The end goal for stand-up, to me, would be getting to a point where you're attracting your own fans. 
because then you know you're not offending people people are along for the ride yeah. like whenever I toured with Chelsea it's always the best shows because it's all people who know it get it they're in your demographic you know they kind of get the whole uh, satire irony you know let's make fun of you know we're, we're critiquing culture I'm, I'm reacting to culture so if someone just came to the comedy club for a night of laughs from their plumbing job and they just want to laugh and they don't want to think that's kind of a problem I mean you can always win them over but it's much better to be you know it's it's like hanging out with your friends versus like you know having to go to a work party where you don't know anybody and you kind of people don't really everyone's on a different wavelength you're on my wavelength I am did you feel it last night? I mean, people I were, some I people were, funny. you know, it was like, but you still are, like, challenged by, like, 60-year-olds, and, you know, it's... Yeah, or you get, like, corporate parties that come to the comedy club for the night. Yeah, like, last night, they, yeah, it was like... Kind of have to fold, try to get them into your fold, you know, try to bring them along into your comedy so that they understand your sensibility and understand where you're coming from, and if you make kind of an edgy joke that, obviously, you're it's a joke and you, you don't really... Well, maybe you do. <laughs> right, but it is really it is think. a joke, but there is some truth in it, yes, but it might be too real truth, for right. people cuz you know, it's it's they're not used to like thinking like dark about, you know, they just kind of consume Certainly. and accept society when it's like why are you accepting this? This every you know, music sucks right now. Popular music sucks. This is why it sucks. And they're like, "Oh, I just like music to relax to." And yeah. you know, so you're just kind of making people think about things a little differently. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that comedians seem to be the ones who have to bring this stuff, you know, because the news people aren't doing it. No. It's, it's just, it's so, it's such a strange society we live in where our comedians have to be the ones that shine a light on these things. Like Jimmy Dore, the, the podcast we were talking about, he, you know, he was playing things from MSNBC, or from um, Fox News. Yeah. And you hear what, like, they're not even giving the news. <laughs> they're just yeah. like, they're just like lying, and everyone's just kind of accepting it and they, they're diminishing things they don't want people to know and they're just talking about death panels and everyone's just getting this misinformation yeah everything's biased yeah everything's biased but you know at least in a, in a comedy club it's not having to go through that corporate filter yeah and you mentioned uh, I'm not political on stage no no you're not <laughs> keep that in mind if you're political of a sort but you yeah. know politics and they bore me yeah um, you were on comedy and everything else, which we just talked about, uh, and recently on the Comedy Death Ray radio show. Um, it's just a hilarious show, Scott Ackerman. Oh yeah, I love that, that show. Uh, and I also read that you're going to be at the San Francisco Sketch Fest in January. Yes. Are you going to go? Uh, yes. Oh, awesome. There, so uh, it's just one of my favorite comedy festivals. I've been probably the last two or three years. How many years has it been going on? I think this is the ninth one. Oh, see, I, I only knew about it like for the past two years for some reason. Did they always have improvised or stand-ups? Yeah, I think so. Oh, well, I'm very glad to be going. Yeah. I've never been. It's, it's great. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy it. I'm on the Comedy Death Ray show. Yes, Comedy Death Ray. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good people that look like on that show also. I think the schedule's posted tomorrow, but they just kind of said, here are the people that are showing up. Awesome. That are on there, but... Um, you're also in the uh, Comedy is Dead show in L.A. Uh -huh. uh, with uh, Duncan Trussell. Uh -huh. And um, essentially, I just wanted to find out kind of a little bit more about that show. I've heard some stuff about it, but it seems... What'd you hear? Well, I just heard what you guys were talking about on the comedy and everything. Oh, it's right. held at, at uh, um, 
It's in a Masonic Lodge, a restored Masonic Lodge on uh, the property of the cemetery. Yes. Yeah. Like, kind of right in the middle of the grave. And um, when I met Duncan, he was just like, I, I want to have a stand-up show. I just, like, think comics in a graveyard would be so funny. And so we went to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and it just happened that the kind of the artistic director slash, what do you call it? Duncan call it. Um, you know, the, the, yeah, like yeah. it's, it's, it's such a, maybe. it's such a hilariously dark place. It's so cool. Um, but anyway, he, this guy, Jay, he's very into bringing art to the cemetery and he's got, you know, the movie night there, uh, which has become huge that, you know, 30,000 people sometimes on, and they'll watch, you know, classics above and below the stars, as he says. And then uh, he brought some plays there. There was Shakespeare in the cemetery, and now our show. It's really fun, and everyone has great sets there. It's, it's very cool to see comedy, you know, because, like, some of our friends, you know, like, some of our comic friends, they, they have, like, these fears of death, and it really freaks them out. To Like, like Steve Agee was there, and, he, you know, Duncan's like, I just want to torture him by yeah. making him come here. And he, But he had a great, you know, he's had great sets there, but it's just funny for people to have to, like, be in this environment. And the space is beautiful. It's, uh, it used to be where the, you know, Masonic, what are they called? The, the Masons. The, the Freemasons would have their, their, um, meetings there about, I don't know, what the dollar or whatever they talk about. And then there's a room across the hall where they would put the women. And the, so the women masons would have their meetings in the smaller room. So, yeah. Right, so. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a very historical place, though. I mean, it's, I think it's from, like, maybe the teens, teens or 20s. Yeah. So it's very old. For L.A. For L.A., <laughs> yes. And uh, so, as, as we mentioned, you're performing here in Denver. Um, you're, you have another show tonight, uh, which is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Two shows Friday, three shows Saturday. Oh, wow. Lots of corporate parties. Yeah, excellent. And I was told by the club to keep it clean. Oh, really? Which Interesting, which, because they have it as 21 plus on the... Um, well, because it's... It's party season. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, you have to... so I've got to go. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, you get these. I've been to some of these corporate events, you know, where the comedians come out and they're supposed to keep it clean. You know, and even then, you know, people that complain no matter if they don't like that sense of humor, then they're going to like. We saw Jeff Garland uh, once at a Merrill Lynch event, and everyone complained. And I thought it was really. Yeah, it was. They so complained. He's not even that. That he wasn't. What did he say? Did he swear? Just he didn't really. Even, I mean, he swore a little bit, but not that much. What were you doing at a Merrill Lynch corporate event? <laughs> well, that's a different story entirely. <laughs> I mean, I know Jeff, and he's not. He's like no. He's yeah. He's like a Boy Scout leader. You yeah. know, he's like so inspiring and yeah, I think just sweet. Had issue, and then it, it, this was something that they. I know we're getting off topic, but essentially something that uh, Merrill Lynch does every year at this Treasury Conference, and then they stop doing comedians after that, and I thought, that's just ridiculous, because, you know, people want to go out, and they want to see comedy, and they want to do these things, but yeah, they, you, you mix, when you when you bring people into a club that aren't there specifically, as you talked about, to see the person they're there to see, then they're going to be dissatisfied unless unless they just happen to find something in there that they can relate to right like like the guy opening for me you know he's George Lopez's opener and, and he's great but it's like it's not like you know it's a different crowd yeah it's a different crowd so it, it's definitely challenging but uh, so uh, where can people see you performing uh, in the future well I'm going to Atlanta next week the Laughing Skull 
And if you go to my website, natashalegero.com, I post my dates there. But um, I've got like a few things lined up for for next month. You know, I, I kind of do it each because you don't really know where your schedule is going to be. So I try not to schedule too far in advance. Yes, I saw you're going to Atlanta. So that's um, you know everything. I, I, I saw it on your <laughs> Facebook page actually. I'm going to Atlanta. Uh, you're going to Atlanta. You're going uh, to Kentucky, I think, after that. You're right. Is and it Kentucky? I think so. What's the city? What's, like, a big city in Maybe Kentucky? Louisville? Yeah, that's it. You're Louisville. right. Perfect. <laughs> and then, um, I think that's... And then, I'm going then to San Boston Francisco, and San also. Francisco, yeah. Yeah, so... And then in you're L.A. In cities, uh, keep an eye out for Natasha Legero. Yes, please. And I'll be on Chelsea next week. I, I usually do it, you know, every other week or so. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. I can't wait for my uh, portrait. Yes. <laughs> it's been great talking to you, and uh, thanks so much. Well, that was my interview with the very funny Natasha Legero. After her performance the night before, I had taken a portrait in which she, she was very serious. Uh, she had a very serious look on her face. Uh, but after this interview, I took another more fun one. Uh, you can see them both on portroids.com. And if you want to see Natasha's comedy, you can see her live this weekend, December 10th through 13th, at the Comedy Works in Denver. You can also see her December 17th through 20th at the Laughing Skull in Atlanta, Georgia. December 31st through January 2nd at Cobb, uh, Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. Uh, you can see her on the Comedy Death Ray Show during the San Francisco Sketch Fest. The schedule is being released tomorrow, which is December 11th. Uh, she'll also be at the Improv in Louisville, Kentucky, February 3rd through the 6th, and on February 15th in Boston, Massachusetts. You can also catch her on Chelsea Lately, or you can see clips of her work on her website, NatashaLeggero.com. Leggero is spelled L-E-G-G-E-R-O. Uh, I'd like to thank Natasha again for taking the time to talk with me today. And until next time, this is Rick saying goodbye forever. <laughs>